We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in to Lakers Nation Live. I am Trevor Lane. This is almost basketball time. We are just a few days away. The Lakers play on Saturday. No, we don't know for sure if everybody's going to play. Probably not, unless you're the Golden State Warriors. You're not going to play everybody in game one of a preseason. But nonetheless, still, Lakers basketball coming up on Saturday. This is a super exciting time. Thank you, guys for joining me here. If you're coming in on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel, you're over on Facebook, you're over on X. Welcome in. We'll spend the next hour or so talking some Lakers basketball. If you haven't done so yet, you guys can follow me over on X at Trevor underscore Lane. You can find me on Instagram as well as threads at Trevor Lane NBA. We've got a lot to get into tonight. I want to talk about what we're hearing from training camp so far. We do need to talk a little bit about Jalen Hunchafino talk about what he's done generating a lot of buzz in camp we'll talk a little bit about the rotations what the starting lineup might look like but before we get to all of that um quick little bit of housekeeping a little bit of housekeeping here and i mentioned this on the last show but in case you didn't see it because this is a live show and for podcast listeners as well this is is certainly relevant so the way we do things in case this is your first season hanging out with lakers nation while we're we're taking in some purple and gold basketball the way that it works is during the off season we do our live shows monday nights and wednesday nights once games start though that goes away instead and actually we do more live shows because what we do is the live show Lakers Nation Live, which you're watching right now, listening to right now. If you're a podcast listener, you know this goes out as a podcast as well. Um, this becomes a, a post game show. Lakers Nation Live becomes a post game show, which is going to happen after every single game. So as soon as the game ends, for example, it's going to happen this Saturday against the Golden State Warriors. As soon as the game ends, come right here to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. We hang out. We break down the game. We talk about everything that happened that was good, bad, everything in between. We hand out some awards. It's a good time. So, again, that's what's going to happen as far as the live schedule goes. The Monday-Wednesday schedule goes away once we get into actually playing games, with the exception of, I believe there's a little break 
between the last preseason game and the start of the regular season. I may squeeze a few live shows in during that point, but otherwise the live shows will just be after each game. We'll come hang out here and we'll talk Lakers basketball. The other thing, though, is the podcast itself, the Lakers Nation podcast, will be out on podcast feeds at minimum Monday through Friday. Every weekday, you will have a fresh Lakers Nation podcast. During August, during September, you may have noticed we trimmed that down a little bit. Some weeks, we would just have three shows. Some weeks, it would be, be four. During the regular season, we are five days a week at minimum. And I say minimum because if there's a Friday night game, if there's a Saturday night game, as there is this week, that post-game show winds up going out hitting podcast feeds the next morning. So at minimum, you're going to have five new Lakers Nation podcasts every single week. So on your drive into work, while you're at the gym, while you're mowing the lawn, whatever, you've got the Lakers Nation podcast right there with you. So that's our programming uh, update here as we get ready to actually start playing Lakers basketball games. Gotta be, gotta be an exciting time of year. I'm thrilled. I've been doing the countdown over on uh, X for like 80 some odd days at this point. Yeah, tomorrow I get to send out that, I guess a post, I can't call it a tweet anymore, uh, saying that we are just two days away from the Lakers actually playing basketball. So, so cool. All right, I'm going to be getting into some of your super chat questions and comments, chat questions as as well. We'll be getting into all of these. By the way, I'm really excited. We still have, there's a little bit of news that, that I still have to break um, that's going to be coming up in the next couple of days. Little teaser, a little bit of little bit of kind of exciting, exciting stuff. Well, actually, I'll, I'll kind of reveal a little bit. I do have a new intro that that I'm gonna drop on uh Saturday for the Lakers first first game. Got a new introduction for the show. Um, so I'm excited about that. That'll be coming out uh, again on Saturday, but also a little bit more news that um that I have that we'll be we'll be putting out there in the next few days. Let's start off right here, Alex Amerling, with a player that I, I really want to talk about. Really excited that Fino has been impressing. So JHS, Jalen Hood Shafino, you know, Darvin Ham called him the MVP of day one of training camp. That is fantastic, fantastic news. Um, I, I have a a radio show um that I've been doing for years now that I, I've been doing guest spots on there. And I do a lot of especially during the season, I do a lot of different radio spots, but this one I think I've been doing the longest it's it's jeff bloom's show out in out in the desert out by by palm springs and, and that whole area out there out in palm desert and uh we did that show today and he was asking me about about who stood out i said jalen huchifino and the great thing about jhs was that the lakers drafted him at 17 knowing that one of the benefits you're getting is you're getting a guy who's an extremely hard worker you're getting a guy who just grinds who puts in the effort and that i think is something that's shining through already because look we were a little concerned let's face it we were a little concerned coming out of summer league about jalen huchifino he was he was fine but there were some good things about his game he actually shot pretty well from three if you look at his percentages but you didn't come out of summer league super enamored with his jumper in general Right, this is a guy who is known as being just an assassin from the mid range, right? From the mid range, and not quite as good from three, but from the mid range, this guy was 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 great uh, at Indiana in college, and we didn't see that in summer league. And Lakers fans, oh boy, our hearts started beating. Right, we're getting getting nervous, like palms getting kind of sweaty. 
mom spaghetti. Um, and we were doing that because we thought, oh no, here we go again. The Lakers drafted another guy who can't shoot. The Lakers, this, this team needs shooters. They've got a guy here who can't shoot. That was the fear with JHS. But now the fact that we're not, we're not talking summer league now. This is a big step up to go from playing against the guys you're playing against in summer league to the guys you're going to play against in training camp. And it's going to be another step up when he's actually on the court on Saturday in a, in a preseason game, be another step up when he gets into a regular season game, be another step up when he gets to the playoffs and so on. But the fact that JHS has gone from looking good, not great, good during summer league, maybe a little bit underwhelming to now the first couple of days of training camp, he's drawing these rave reviews that tells you that's a really good indicator of the kind of work that he's put in from mid July when summer league in Las Vegas wrapped up to now that he's been putting in all of that work. We already know he puts a lot of work in on his body. His diet is very, very precise. We know that's something that he's, that he's very, very careful about. Um, but obviously, he's been putting in a lot of work on his game, too. If his game wasn't coming a long way from what we saw in Summer League, you're not going to be hearing Darvin Ham, Austin Reeves, D'Angelo Russell, all singing this guy's praises. And remember, you know, we talked about how the Lakers need good perimeter defenders. I don't know. I'm, I'm still not projecting the JHS is going to be this this season. But ultimately, this is a guy who's 6'5", 6'6". He is a big Dude, from seeing him at Summer League up close, he is noticeably bigger than most guards that you're going to see in the NBA. And so he does project to be this big, powerful, physical player that I think ultimately, again, I'm not expecting it this season, but can become, I think, a really good defensive player for the Lakers and give you a little bit on the offensive end as well. So I'm really curious to see, does what we're hearing about in training camp show up? in preseason play and that's going to be one of my keys i'm already putting together my keys for saturday what we're going to be looking for when the lakers take on the golden state warriors but jhs so far so good exciting stuff with him showtime dj said no question just want to say thank you for getting us through what felt like the longest off season in lakers history well showtime dj i i certainly do appreciate the kind words it did feel like a longer off season and you know i was talking about this with somebody earlier today we said maybe this was in part because there was like we kind of got used to the short offseason during COVID. Like if you remember when the Lakers won the championship, the turnaround was like nothing. Right. I mean, it was like the next week was the draft and, and free agency, all that stuff was off and running. And then they were back to camp and playing. I, I want to say they had like it's like 60 some odd days or something between when the season started and the previous season ended. There was there was no no break at all. And then that next season, there was another long, uh, or, or I'm sorry, short summer because that season didn't start until the 2020, 2021 season didn't start until December. And so then that carried through into the summer. Then when we got back on schedule last summer, Kevin Durant shut everything down. Kevin Durant shut down the month of July when he demanded a trade from the Nets. And so that pushed a lot of the business that we were used to getting taken care of early in July, like it did this year. And then a lot of nothing for a few months. All of that got pushed back into August by Kevin Durant. So even last summer felt like it had more stuff going on and went by faster than this one did. This offseason, in fact, free agency really, 
uh, Darvin Ham and Rob Polinka talked about this uh, this past Thursday, almost a week ago now, when they did their presser, that free agency played out in like 36 hours. And then it was basically done. You know, we waited for Christian Wood for a long time, but free agency played out very, very quickly this year. And so it created, I think, what felt like an even longer summer than we're accustomed to. So anyway, I've talked about that enough, but uh, do appreciate the kind words and happy to be here, you know, getting to do this, getting to talk Lakers basketball and getting everybody through a long off season. By the way, Saturday, first preseason game, we'll be there on playback. You can come hang out with us and watch the game with us over on playback, playback.tv slash Lakers nation. I'll be on there. I believe Sean Davis will be on there. We'll have some other Lakers nation staff members. We hang out. We do kind of a play by play, but we also just talk a lot of Lakers basketball, kind of similar to this here on the YouTube channel where we talk back and forth. We take your comments, your questions, all that kind of stuff right there over on playback. And we do every single game. Last year was the first time that we had done every game all season long. And boy, it was a blast. I enjoy it so, so much getting to watch the games with all of you. So I sure hope you come join us for that. Again, playback.tv slash Lakers Nation. Come join us every game. Every time there's a Lakers game on, we'll be right there hanging out with you. All right, let's get into the rest of this here. Uh, Nino said, backup shooting guard position is Max's to lose oh man i don't know if you guys saw it i don't know if everybody saw this but there's a clip that's going around if you if you haven't seen it yet don't leave me here those of you who are live but if you haven't seen it yet it's over on x um you check out the lakers account and they have a very short highlight it's max christie running pick and roll with jackson hayes and it is beautiful max delivers this really nice pocket pass now they're going up against the defenders are coaches, so it's not like they're playing against, you know, NBA players here. But Max delivers this beautiful pocket pass. Jackson Hayes catches, goes up. I mean, he is a human pogo stick, just cocks his arm back and slams. I mean, with authority, it was a vicious dunk. And it was just, I mean, I, I think I, I tweeted, I guess I can still say, I, I start the season, right? I mean, just the most exciting play. That, that you could see in a practice situation like that. And Max looked good and that's in that situation. And Jackson Hayes, I mean, just breathtaking, breathtaking dunking ability from him. But Max Christie, I agree. I do believe that he has the key to the backup shooting guard position. I believe that he has the leg up over Cam Reddish. We'll see how it all plays out. I think the Lakers are going to give a look to everybody. They're going to give a look to a lot of different lineups. We heard that today in training camp, Torian Prince, got the nod in the starting lineup. Look, we know who four starters are. Four starters. D'Angelo Russell, Austin Reeves, Anthony Davis, LeBron James. Those four players are starting. No surprises there. Um, the fifth starter, we don't know. Yesterday, Jared Vanderbilt got a look. He got his opportunity yesterday. And I still believe the fact that Jared Vanderbilt got the first opportunity, that tells us that that's probably what Darvin Ham is leaning towards doing. But today... They tried something a little different. They had both Vanderbilt and Rui Hachimura, who's the other guy that I would consider a strong contender to start. In fact, he's probably my favorite to start. Both of them played with the bench unit, and it was Torian Prince that got to start for the Lakers. Again, Prince has talked about how he wants to be at least a 40% shooter from three. I've talked about this a lot. He has three seasons in a row now of shooting 44% or better 
on corner threes, the above the break threes are the question for him. But so Darvin is going to tinker with things quite a bit. In fact, Brian Windhorst talked about this a little bit today um, that he thinks what's going to happen is the Lakers are going to have a flexible starting lineup, that they'll adjust things depending on who their opponent is because this roster has so much flexibility, so much depth at a lot of different positions, and that's going to allow them to go big, play small, play inside, outside, play outside, in, you know, a lot of different things that they can do depending on what it is that their opponent presents to them. So I think that's something that's really interesting, the ability to adapt and adjust on the fly depending on who the opponent is, and that might even mean an ever-changing starting five. I still think they'll try to settle in on a base starting five, but for particular matchups, for example, against Denver, do you start bigger? Against Golden State, do you start smaller? We'll see if Darvin is able to take advantage of that versatility. I do think, though, that Max Christie is going to be the guy to get those backup shooting guard minutes. You know, you look at what he did in Summer League and you look at what his skill set is. You look at what it is that he does as a player and he does it well. It fits what the Lakers need so, so badly. It really does. I mean, it fits what they what they need to a T. They need guys who can shoot the three. They need guys who can defend at a high level. And I think Max Christie is going to be able to do all of those things. Cam Reddish, I hope he can. 6'8". He's got the wingspan. He's got he's he's bigger than Max Christie. He's got the finishing ability. Doesn't have the career of shooting well from deep, though. He is pretty good on catch and shoot. So definitely don't write him off. But I think Max Christie probably has the leg up here. And so I'm really interested to see what he looks like coming up on Saturday. All right. Dante said, this intro is engraved in my mind. Excited to hear something else. Yeah, and I actually just got, so our editor just sent me over today because I've got one intro that's going to be a general non-live podcast intro I'm going to be using. Um, but the the live podcast intro, I just got it a few hours ago when he's been working. And it's, I'm, I'm excited. I can't wait for everybody to see it again i'll debut that uh the stream loading screen will remain the same for those of you joining but the actual introduction into the show itself is going to be changing uh davion nelson said i want to say sorry to lakers fans i spoke the drew trade into existence last week on the front office show i had them giving up horford lakers in five well davion we can forgive you for that um yeah drew look my primary goal for Drew Holiday was get out of the Western Conference. Get out of the West. Let's not do this whole thing where everybody's piling into the Western Conference. He already got, you know, Victor Wembanyama, who, look, if he becomes what people think he's going to be, this transcendent star, like he arrived in the Western Conference. Bradley Beal comes into the Western Conference. Enough. Enough. The, the West is a mess. It's a mess. You look, no matter what, there's going to be one, maybe more, Really, really good basketball team that does not make the play in. That isn't even in the top 10 in the Western Conference. So my number one goal for Drew Holiday is get out of the West. Get out of the West. And that box got checked. I was kind of hoping he was going to wind up like in Miami or something, though. Because I don't really care. If the Heat are good, I don't care. I don't care. Don't go to the Celtics, though. Don't go to the Celtics. And you know what? At least... In his introductory presser with the Celtics, Drew said, I grew up a Lakers fan and my family's disappointed right now. That was good to hear. 
that was was good to hear. But but unfortunate that he wound up with the Celtics. I thought the Celtics did give up a lot in order to get him, but he's really good. He's a really good player. So unfortunate to see that he wound up in Boston. Hopefully it works out terribly for them. I want good things for Drew, but bad things for Boston. Bad things for Boston. All right. Uh, by the way, we should talk about this too. I put out a, a video on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel a little bit ago about Mike Malone, Michael Malone, sorry, uh, and him making comments again about the Lakers and this time trying to flip it, trying to flip it as though, oh, it's the the Lakers have been thinking about this. Um, in fact, here's exactly what he said. He said, oh, they're talking about us because the Lakers have been talking about how motivating it's been that the Nuggets won't shut up about the Lakers. Mike Malone said, oh, they're talking about us. That was what, four months ago? If they're still worried about us, that's on them. If we're on their minds, I guess that's on them. Trying to trying to flip it around as though the Lakers are the team that have been spending all summer talking about the Nuggets. The Nuggets were the team that at their victory parade celebrated not necessarily winning a championship, but beating the Lakers. That was the forefront of their mind was beating the Lakers and taking shots at the Lakers. Look, let's face it. They haven't had a lot of opportunities to do so over the years. And yet now here's Michael Malone trying to flip it around and make it as though it's the Lakers that are still talking about the, about the Denver Nuggets. Yeah, we know what you're doing. We know what you're doing. And hopefully the Lakers will take care of business and hand the Nuggets a big fat L on opening night, October 24th, ring night, spoil that party and give the Denver Nuggets a loss. Look, we know Austin's talked about it. Anthony Davis has talked about it, right? They're all talking about how that's kind of been something that they've noticed, that the Nuggets don't stop. The Nuggets just keep making comments about the Lakers. Now Michael Malone's trying to flip it around like it's the Lakers who just keep thinking about Denver. Nah, Denver's the one that's been talking the whole time. And the Lakers said, yeah, we noticed, and that's given us motivation, and we'll see how it all plays out now on October 24th. I'm excited for that game, and I sure hope the Lakers go and spoil ring night for that Nuggets team that seems to care so much. Again, I talk about this, but there's a lot of teams out there that hate the Lakers, a lot of teams that see the Lakers as their main rival, even if the Lakers don't see them as such. The Denver Nuggets, certainly one of them. So to the Nuggets, they feel like they just beat their big rival. And Lakers fans are like, what are you talking about? That, that we, we weren't playing the Celtics. We weren't even playing the Clippers. But that's the way the Nuggets feel. So I'm excited to see what the Lakers bring opening night. And you know what? Let's face it. A little bit of drama. Probably good for the NBA. By the way, not a lot of drama in general around the Lakers. Not a lot of drama. I mean, that's part of... I think the quiet brilliance of this offseason. We're not talking about, are the Lakers going to trade Russell Westbrook? We're not talking about anything like that. None of that is out there right now because th this team has stability for the first time in a long time. And that's a good thing. That's definitely a good thing for this Lakers team. I think the fact that there was uh, such a small media turnout to their media day is actually a welcome change because of the stability that this team now has and the fact that there's there's more drama elsewhere. James Harden, what's he going to do at 76ers camp? What's that going to look like? So there's a bunch of reporters there. 
What do things look like in Milwaukee with Dame? Drew Holiday showing up in Boston. All this other stuff happening. The Lakers, they can just kind of fly under the radar, keep doing what they're doing, do their work. Hopefully go out there, win basketball games, distraction-free. Haley Ford said, if Cam Reddish plays well, the Lakers are set at the two-guard. Uh, I'm confident about Christie, just not sure about Cam. Uh, plus, Torian Prince can play some two-guard. Yeah, I mean, think about that. Torian Prince is, what, 6'7"-ish, somewhere in that range. And remember, everybody, NBA heights, not always the most accurate things, but 6'7"-ish, somewhere in that range. Um, Cam Reddish, 6'8 or so. Like, the Lakers have, you know, Rob Plinka talks about this. He talks about positional size. The Lakers have really good positional size. And if you look at the shooting guard position, if Cam Reddish, number one, is he a shooting guard? He hasn't played shooting guard a ton over the years. He's done it every now and then, but that's not been his primary position. But if he is in the mix of the two, look, Max Christie is 6'5", 6'6". Cam Reddish, 6'8", 6'7". If you want to put Torian Prince into the mix there, that's a big group. Even if you want to get into JHS, he's 6'5", 6'6". There's a lot of size at the position, and that's something that I think is really good. You know, we we look at the Lakers center position. Anthony Davis, still clearly the biggest guy. Jackson Hayes, Hayes is seven feet tall, but Anthony Davis outweighs him by like 30 pounds. So he's not like this big, physical, bruising guy. Christian Wood's certainly not a big, physical, bruising guy either. But you look across the rest of the roster, and the Lakers have really good size at every position. I mean, Gabe Vincent at 6'3 is the shortest guy on the roster. At 6'3. He's the shortest guy on the roster. So you look at this Lakers team position by position. I think one of the things they can do, especially with the size they've got at the shooting guard position, I mean, Austin's 6'5", um, is you can help gang rebound, I think, at a better level than what we saw last season. That was certainly a challenge for the team, giving up offensive rebounds to teams. Some of that is a mindset. Some of that is, of course, skill. It's positioning. It's, it's all of those things. But... The Lakers are also going to have size, I think, to get on the boards with guys that aren't just your bigs, your traditional big player. You're going to have guards that are able to sneak in and get rebounds. You know, that was one thing that Russell Westbrook was actually really good about. He was really good about getting rebounds from the guard position. And we've seen guys like Rajon Rondo is also great at it. Last year, the Lakers didn't really have that. Last year, the Lakers didn't have that big rebounding guard that could come in. I think this year they've got enough size at the position where they're going to be able to do that. I think Max Christie actually is going to really excel there. He's put on, whew, that guy's put on a lot of muscle. Uh, Davion Nelson said, if Braun and D'Lo pick up their options, how much will the Lakers have to offer Christian Wood? Okay, good question. So the Lakers uh, could keep Christian Wood long-term. In fact, in, at his media day presser, he said, he grew up a, a fan of Kobe, of the Lakers. This is where he wants to be. This is where he wants to be long-term. Now, we've heard this before. It doesn't mean it's locked in. We'll see. We'll see how the season goes. But the fact that he's saying right now, like, I don't want this to be a one-year stop. I don't want to just, uh, he's on a one-year deal, essentially. It's a two-year deal, player option on the second year. Really, that's a one-year contract. He's going to try to cash in next summer. But if everything works out great, the Lakers, they should have the mid-level exception to use here uh, on Christian Wood. They should have the ability to use the MLE in order to hang on to, to Christian Wood. Now, is it possible it's the taxpayer? Well, it may depend on how much 
the cap actually goes up because now the Lakers have some salaries that they've stacked up. Vanderbilt, D'Lo, Austin, Gabe Vincent. Possible we're talking taxpayer, but most likely, assuming that cap continues to go up and we'll have to see the percentage it goes up, we're probably talking about a mid-level exception deal, which I think would be great for the Lakers. If, if, if he's worth a mid-level exception level deal, that tells you the Lakers had a really good season and he had a good year with them. But that's probably what we're talking about. What they're not going to have is the ability to go chase him with cap space. They're not going to have the ability to go give him, you know, $20 million or something like that. So if there's a cap space team out there, I don't know, the 76ers are hoarding cap space. If they suddenly decide Christian Wood is the guy they have to put next to Joel Embiid or something like that, and they offer him $20 million a season, yeah, the Lakers can't do that. They're not going to be able to do that. Most likely, we're going to be looking at an MLE deal, probably something similar to what we're seeing here with Gabe Vincent. Again, though, we've got to see how much the cap goes up next year to determine exactly how much room they're going to have. Buying tickets to your favorite event shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theaters near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over tickets and start getting hyped for the fun that you will have. Personally, I'm the shopper, right? I look around a lot of different places trying to make sure I'm getting the best deal, particularly when it's a bigger purchase, which, well, tickets to a sporting event, they usually are. So I shop around to a lot of different places. So game time takes away my stress when I'm shopping for tickets because they offer a lowest price guarantee, which is absolutely phenomenal. So it's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. You get images of your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect. No surprises. You buy tickets in a matter of seconds. And because of that game time guarantee, you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time credits you 110% of the difference. Think about that. That's how convinced game time is that they will offer you the lowest price they offer that guarantee that way you can buy with confidence and avoid that stress the tickets get sent directly to your phone so you don't have to dig through your email or anything like that you get them right to your phone so snag the tickets without the stress with game time download the game time app create an account and use the code lakers nation for 20 dollars off your first purchase terms apply again create an account and redeem code LakersNation for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. All right, let's see what else we've got here. Oh, Mamba Mentality said, when LeBron and AD sit, they will have their apprentice, Rui and Wood, go into the game. It's like having AD and Braun on the floor all the time. Amazing. I would stop short of saying that that Rui Hachimura and Christian Wood, who I like both those guys a lot, but saying that those guys are LeBron and AD, they're not. They're not LeBron and AD. But I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Skill set wise, can they kind of mimic that? Rui, Rui's skill set is very different. Christian Wood's skill set is different from AD's as well. But Rui Hachimura in particular has a very different skill set than LeBron James. He's not going to be handling the ball nearly as much. He's more of a a scorer than a passer. LeBron can certainly pass the hell out of the basketball. So it's not quite a like for like where you can just 
throw Rui, Rui on the floor and run the same stuff and, and expect things to play out the exact same way. Size-wise, though, I mean, Rui is 6'8", fairly, he's a pretty big dude. Um, he's like 230. LeBron's 250, so you're, you know, you lose some bulk there, but but Rui's still a pretty big guy for, for a wing. You know, he's 6'8", 7'3", wingspan. He's not, not small. Um, Christian Wood, 7'3", wingspan. Anthony Davis has a 7'6", wingspan, but in theory, yeah, they, they can kind of replicate what you see with those guys on the floor. But I do look at this Lakers bench and I think, let's assume the bench right now is, and somebody asked me about this earlier today on X. Let's assume it's Gabe Vincent, Max Christie, Torian Prince, Rui Hachimura, and Christian Wood. Like that's good enough, depending on what Max Christie does, that could be a starting lineup for some teams. That could be a starting lineup for some teams. Now, I'm not saying a lot. I'm not saying that team would win a lot or anything, but that's got to be, if not the best or most talented bench in the league, it's up there. It's got to be up there because these guys, I think you have guys who are starting caliber players, right? At the very least, Christian Wood, Rui Hachimura, Gabe Vincent, Torian Prince, all four of those guys are starting caliber players that have started a number of games over their careers. Uh, Max Christie, we don't know. He's still kind of a question mark. He only appeared in about half the games last season. But I also like the balance of that group. I like the balance of that group. Now, you've got guys who can do a lot of things out there on the floor. Maybe it's lacking a little bit in creation in terms of, of a natural creator. But you've got guys that can play defense. You've got guys that can help you out on the boards. You've got guys that can shoot pretty much everybody in that group can shoot the ball from behind the arc. Everybody can score. This is a really good, I think, bench unit. You know, one of the problems in years past has been that whenever LeBron comes off the floor, the Lakers tend to give up leads for a little while, especially LeBron's first season in LA when it was LeBron and all the kids. LeBron would build up a lead. As soon as he would come off the floor, it would be a couple of minutes it would get chipped away, chipped away, chipped away. No lead. LeBron comes back into the game, builds up a lead again. LeBron comes out, chipped away, chipped away, chipped away. Right? And you just watch that yo-yo effect all game, every game. And even with the better teams, even with the championship team, you still saw that to a degree. I think this year's team is best equipped to handle the non-LeBron minutes. I mean, that was even part of the plan with getting Russell Westbrook in was, okay, well, LeBron goes out, Russ can run the show and he can score for you and keep you afloat. Yeah, he couldn't. Didn't work. And part of that was the depth wasn't there around him. It's not all on Russ. But I think this year's team is built better in terms of keeping things afloat when LeBron is out. Whether he's out for a game, whether he's out for a few minutes, whether we're talking about in-game load management where maybe he only plays 20 minutes on a night or something like that. This team is better built than any Lakers team that we've seen previously to handle the non-LeBron minutes. In fact, again, I made this point on the radio today. I said this team is better equipped to support LeBron James than any Lakers team that he's been on. Any Lakers team that he's been on, this team is built better to support him because of the wing depth that they've got. And I'm thinking that's going to pay dividends for the Lakers, particularly as the season goes on. That's certainly going to be something that we have to keep an eye on. <clears throat> Oh, good question. I could be surfing. Said, do you have any beginning of the season traditions? You know, 
I don't really have like a particular beginning of the season tradition. I'm just excited to get it going. I do. So like for when the Lakers were in the draft lottery, um, I have a, a lucky pair of Lakers socks. And I decided to, to break that out again um, during the playoffs was I would wear you know, my lucky Lakers socks, which unfortunately playoff time starts getting warmer and you know, that gets a little uncomfortable. But but nonetheless, I have my, my lucky Lakers socks um, for the draft lottery. I've got a Magic Johnson jersey that I would always wear for the draft lottery because I felt like that was that was good luck. But I don't have a particular tradition for the start of, of the season. I mean, we've spent all summer breaking down the different rotations, breaking out the lineup combinations, looking at free agent possibilities, looking at trade possibilities, all of that and more. But I don't have something specific like any any superstition or anything like that that I turn to on opening night. But what about everybody else? Does anybody else, does anybody have one? Maybe I should find, maybe I should make one. Maybe I should come up with a tradition to start the, uh, to start the new season. Let me know in the comments. Do you guys have anything in particular that you do on opening night? Uh, I.L. Farkash, looking at the roster now, would you rather have D'Lo or Conley if you could change the trade? And I like JHS, but I feel like we should have taken Whitmore. So that's going to be forever the conversation right? It's going to be JHS being compared to Cam Whitmore. It's just the way it's going to be because Cam Whitmore was the guy who slid. Everybody was thinking that the Lakers were going to take him at 17. Instead, the Lakers take JHS. I I hope the JHS obviously is very good for the Lakers, but I really hope he's better than Cam Whitmore because if he's not, I'm going to be hearing about it for years. Years. We're going to be hearing about it. As far as D'Lo and Conley. So, the Lakers had the trade sitting in front of them. It was it was ready for them with Mike Conley coming to LA. Um, that was all ready to go. Uh, and that would have would have been Mike Conley, would have been Jared Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley coming to LA. The Lakers, their front office then was able to, through some conversations, figure out that the Minnesota Timberwolves were ready to move on from D'Angelo Russell, who needed to be paid uh this past summer. And they would accept Mike Conley in exchange. And the Lakers decided, you know what? We like D'Lo better than Conley. Let's go for this. Let's let's do this. Let's upgrade. That's what they felt like they were doing. Now, if you saw what Mike Conley did against the Lakers in the play-in game, I mean, he was he was fantastic. Um, it maybe changes your opinion, right? Maybe makes you think, oops, the you know the Lakers made a mistake. When we see what D'Angelo Russell did against the Denver Nuggets, would Mike Conley have done that? There's no way to say for sure. But, I mean, Mike Conley tends to step up in these big game situations. That said, looking at what the Lakers have built here, I can't say if you replace D'Lo with Mike Conley, the Lakers have won a championship. Can't say that. And we can't forget that D'Lo was really good in the previous year. He had some big moments against Golden State. had some big moments against uh, against Memphis. But... I suppose it's possible. I can't just dismiss the idea that if you had gotten Mike Conley, maybe you win a championship. And anyway, there's no way to know for sure, but he probably doesn't play as poorly as D'Angelo Russell did against Denver. You can say that. However, when I look at this Lakers team and I look at the way they've built this, D'Angelo Russell makes way more sense. Way more sense. LeBron James is turning 39 in December. The next oldest player, it's Anthony Davis, who's 30. 
That's the next oldest player on the roster. Torian Prince is 29. Jared Vanderbilt is 24. D'Angelo Russell is 27. Um, Rui Hachimura is 25. Austin Reeves is 25. Everybody on the team is in their mid-20s with the exception of, of Torian Prince, who's 29. Everybody else is mid-20s to even earlier that, right? I mean, JHS is 20. Max Christie is 20. Max Lewis, I believe, is 21. So everybody is in either their prime or their guys that are going to be in their prime down the road, right? You don't have a lot of guys that are that you would look at and say are past their prime. In fact, I think Anthony Davis is still in, in his prime. So LeBron is really the only guy on the team that you can look at and say he's past their prime. And you look at what they put together a few seasons ago when they first got Russell Westbrook and they bring in Trevor Ariza and they bring in Wayne Ellington and Carmelo Anthony and all these, all these veteran players. It really didn't work. It really didn't work. And I think some of that was those guys just didn't have enough juice in their legs to really help the stars get to where they wanted to go. So going back to D'Lo and Mike Conley, Mike Conley is going to be 36 in a few days. His birthday is October 11th. He'll be 36. I don't know how long Mike Conley is going to be able to play. He's a good player. He's a cerebral player. He doesn't always rely on athleticism, and he was very good for Minnesota. He shot 42% from deep for them in 24 games, averaged 14 points, five assists. He was a nice fit for them. But the reality is Mike Conley is well past his prime. And so when I look at this Lakers team and I look at what they've got, what they've got is sustainability. Now, it doesn't mean D'Angelo Russell's a Laker for life. Doesn't mean Rui's a Laker for life. Doesn't mean Vando's a Laker for life. But this core group of guys that they've committed to, these guys could be the core for the Lakers for the next five years. And that's an eternity in today's NBA. That is an eternity in today's league. This isn't like the 80s where you go get Byron Scott in the, in the early 80s and he's going to be on the team just about forever. Right, Or you're going to get A.C. Green, who's going to stick around forever. Or you're going to get these guys that are going to be with you for a decade or eight years. or whatever. Today's NBA isn't like that. This core group could be with this team for the next five years. We could have that kind of stability. And I think there's a real benefit to it. I think we've seen the flip side in recent years when the Lakers have been bringing in 13 new faces every summer and they're trying to... Uh, play catch up in the early goings of the season as everybody's trying to get brought up to speed while as while their opponents have been together and have some consistency and that puts the Lakers kind of behind the eight ball early on. I think there is a real benefit to what the Lakers have built here to the kind of sustainable group that they've put together here. And so I think I would keep the trade the same. Again, you could make an argument that Mike Conley instead of D'Lo equals championship. I guess I could see where you can get there, but just based on how this team is structured, I got to stick with D'Angelo Russell. I think he's the he's the fit for this team. Uh, Haley, with the talent and depth the Lakers have this season, uh, we're really going to see how good of a coach Ham is. This will be key. Yes, yes, one hundred percent. I think I look at this like when a quarterback in football hasn't had really good receivers. And so you wonder, 
is the quarterback not that good or is it just they don't have enough weapons around them? And then finally their team goes and trades for a couple of receivers, a couple of really good receivers. And then you say, well, now we're going to find out. Now we're going to know. Now we're going to know one way or another whether he's the guy or whether we're looking for a new quarterback next year. That's now Darvin Ham. There's, there's no question. To start last season, he had a team that was a mess. It made no sense on paper. Now, and we've seen it since the trade deadline, he is a team that makes all the sense. He is a team that is one of the most talented teams in the NBA. That is probably the deepest team in the NBA, but it's also a team that will let him do whatever he wants. Whatever he wants. Darvin, what is the best way to win basketball games? Is it to play big? Is it to play small? Is it to run a lot of pick and roll? Is it to do whatever it is you want to want to do? Whatever you want to throw out there. This team has the personnel to do it. They've got the versatility to play whatever style you want to play. So, no excuses. This is it. You can't ask for more. I'm not saying they're going to win a championship for sure, but Darvin Ham has everything he needs to run the team however it is that he wants. However it is that he thinks is the best, best path to win, he can do that with this team. And we'll see if he's right. We'll see if he's right. He is a group that is bought in, that is committed, that's focused on winning a championship, and he has every skill set that he needs. So we're going to find out. We're going to find out a lot about Darvin Ham as a coach, and that doesn't mean we're getting that answer Saturday. That doesn't mean we're getting that answer in the month of October or the month of November. This is going to be a season-long thing. But we're really going to find out how good Darvin Ham actually is here. We certainly are. We're going to find out how good he is. All right. Looking to see if anybody has any particular um, rituals or anything like that. Uh, anything that you do for opening night. Uh, Robert Gonzalez asking if Darvin Ham actually said he's going to use special starting lineups depending on matchups. That may be a thing. That may be a thing indeed. Um, and I think that kind of versatility is certainly is certainly useful. Certainly going to be useful. Let's see here. All right. <laughs> Somebody said they miss Sean and Ron on the podcast because when it's just me, I'm all business most of the most of the time or all of the time. Fair. Enough. Hey, I like to have a good time too. Come join me when we do the um the live shows over on playback, playback.tv slash Lakers Nation. And you get to see me living and dying with every single possession. Uh, throughout the Lakers game. It's it's a lot of fun. I can tell you that. Um, yeah, I, I think part of it is when I get to do these solo shows, I have so much that because I don't have to play the host role where I'm asking questions to somebody else, I can just say all the stuff that that I think. And look, those guys are great. Don't get me wrong. I love having them uh, on this show. So when it is just me, I get to just really drill into all the different things that um, that I think about this team. And so maybe that's... That's it, where I come across more serious. Uh, Jose said, if Ham can get D'Lo 
to be 25% better on defense, watch out. Oh, 100%. Yeah, if you can get 25%, better, if you can get 5% better, that'd be great. Look, D'Angelo Russell, all you're asking for is just don't be a negative. Don't be a negative defensively or even just be a slight negative. That would actually be a pretty decent improvement. He recognizes, he's talked about this, that he's not the fastest player. He knows that he can only get so much quicker. Right? There's not, there's a limit to how fast his body can move. And so if he's able to improve how he reads the game, that's where he's really going to get better. If he's going to figure out the schemes, if he's going to fit in better, because that's a lot of it too. It's the decision-making defensively. You know, you have to make very quick decisions and you have to make decisions that are in sync with your, your teammates. Um, that's what you have to do on defense. And so if D'Angelo Russell is feeling better about his role in the defense, that's going to allow him to be more impactful there and allow him to be less of a negative. Unfortunately, he doesn't have, you know, he's got a 6'10 wingspan, which is great for a, for a dude who's 6'4", but he doesn't have the quick feet necessary to be a really good defensive player. He's not the explosive athlete that he would need to be to be a great defensive player. So can he feel more comfortable with Darvin Ham's defensive schemes? And can he anticipate even more what's going to happen and where he needs to be? That's going to be the key to him hitting that next level as a defensive player. Somebody's saying uh, no more... Um, <laughs> somebody said no more three-guard lineups. Darvin's already talking about it. He's mentioned that he could put Gabe and Austin and D'Lo on the floor together. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about that. Uh, I You have so much wing depth. I don't think that that Austin and D'Lo and, uh, and Gabe is necessarily a, a bad group. I think that on paper it actually works out, but you have so much depth on the wing. I think it should be very rare when we see that. Uh, this one says, my ritual for the Kobe and Shaq days had to hit an impossible shot myself before a playoff game started. So like a trick shot, like an over-the-head shot or something like that. I like that. I like that. Oh, Robert Gonzalez <laughs> with, with the big compliment. So Trevor's locked in when he hosts the pod. 2018 LeBron form. I am indeed locked in. I'll tell you that. I don't know if I would go go uh, 2018 LeBron, but still. Uh, QJ Smith said Lakers versus Celtics in the finals, Lakers in seven. Okay. So if that's the way this plays out, it would be all-time incredible, right? Because if the Lakers and the Celtics were to play in the finals, championship 18 is on the line. One team is going to emerge ahead of the other one. There, there will be a leader, right? If it's Celtics against somebody else, that's not necessarily the case. If it's Lakers against somebody else, that's not necessarily the case. You go into the finals if it's Lakers versus Celtics. Not only is it just one of the greatest rivalries all time in sports, but you know someone is taking the lead and getting that 18th championship, which will be more than any other team. Um, Right now tied at 17. I, that will also probably take time off of my life. <laughs> if there is, I will be as stressed as I am during games. And again, you guys should join over on playback. See this. As stressed as I am, I will be beside myself. I will be a mess if it's Lakers, Celtics in the finals. And especially if it goes seven games. Oh my gosh. 2010, game seven, 
that I will never forget that game. And that was a great, that was the most beautiful, ugly game we've ever seen. It was, it was an ugly game, but so hard fought on both ends of the floor. And because the Lakers won, we remember it in a positive way, but there were moments in that game where it didn't look like they were going to win. I remember sitting on the edge of my seat on every single shot. There were a few times I even collapsed to my knees as that game was was going on, um, trying to will the Lakers to come back, begging, pleading them to come back and win. If that's what we get, look, I will take it. I, I will celebrate that forever if we get Lakers-Celtics all the way to game seven in the finals and the Lakers win, that would be amazing. But I will be a wreck during that entire series. I can tell you that for sure. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Uh, Black Kraken. Hey, Trev, in the buyout market for the final spot, would you prefer a three-point sniper or another center? Right now, I would say another center, particularly if it's a big physical type of center. Like, uh, I'm not saying Dwight is the guy, but a Dwight Howard type of center. I think that's the biggest, clearest weakness on this team right now. It's that big physical presence in the middle. So I'd be looking for that. Even like a Tristan Thompson would provide a little bit more physicality than, than what the Lakers currently have. It would have to be somebody who was okay with not playing every single night though, because is, that, that probably wouldn't be the case. I think Christian Wood's going to get plenty of minutes. I think Jackson Hayes has a case for getting minutes. Of course, Anthony Davis is going to get the bulk of the minutes, but for certain matchups, I think the Lakers could use a physical presence there in the middle. And so that's what I would prefer to see them get. I don't think they're going to be a good three-point shooting team. Uh, I don't think they're going to be like top 10 in the league or anything like that. But I think they can be an okay three-point shooting team. And and they're probably not going to be a high-volume three-point shooting team either. But now that you've got Christian Wood in the mix, who shoots 38% from deep, Max Christie, if he stays true to form and is a 40-ish percent three-point shooter, which is what he's been so far, again, small sample size, 
But if D'Lo, if Austin are both 40% three-point shooters again this season, big if, three-point percentage isn't always a sticky stat. And if LeBron can regress back to about 35%, this team will be just fine behind the arc. You know Gabe Vincent can shoot him. We know Rui can shoot him. Maybe not at a super high percentage, but you know they can knock him down. Um, Same thing with Torian Prince. We know he can be a good three-point shooter. Can Jared Vanderbilt get his shot? to come around a little bit. That's another thing to keep an eye on. But I think this team can be okay shooting the three. But that big position, that big position in the middle, I really think they need somebody else there at some point. And maybe that's, you know, the buyout market in March where they where they find that player. They find that. Now, I'll tell you this, though. I heard some rumors over the summer. Um, Way back. I'm talking about like back in like when free agency was just starting up that Tristan Thompson coming back was a, a real thing that could, that could really happen. Um, and that it may not happen to like, like a mid season thing. So, uh, or that it, it would at least be like after training camp. I don't Obviously look a million things can change between then and now. And I haven't heard anything recently on that, but just something to keep in mind. There are some guys that are out there that they could add in, Early season, they could add in mid-season. I do think they're going to keep their roster spot open, the 15 spot open, all the way until probably the buyout market. But I think the Lakers are very aware that they need another big body. And it wouldn't shock me if it winds up being like a Tristan Thompson or, or someone like that, who it's very easy for them to just stay in touch with. Uh, Joan said, Trevor, do you think a 6-4 and four start is good? So I put this on... Um, Oh, did Tristan Thompson go back to the Cavs already? Oh, he did. I missed that. That's right. We'll see if he sticks. But could so obviously he's not for sure on the Lakers um, or out there for the Lakers. But does he stick in Cleveland? It's going to be something worth keeping an eye on there. I completely forgot he wound up back in Cleveland. Um, do I think a six and four start is good? So I was talking about this a little bit on X earlier today. There were. Uh, people asking, hey, what, what's the minimum? What's a good start for the Lakers? I think six and four is the minimum. Knowing that you've got two games against Orlando, it's a game against Houston in there, it's a game against the Blazers in there. So your first 10, six and four, that's the, the minimum that you need, I think. There are some really difficult games too. I mean, you get Denver, you get Phoenix, you get Sacramento, you get uh, Miami's in there. Like there's tough games in, in their first 10. Uh, it's certainly not an easy schedule, but uh, the Clippers... But six and four that way is the minimum. Assuming you win the four games against Orlando, Houston, um, Portland, which today's NBA, we can't even assume that. There's a lot of parity, so you never know. I mean, Orlando is going to compete. Houston's going to compete. They're, I don't think they're going to be playoff teams, but they're going to get after you. Um, and same thing, I think Portland is going to look they've still got Jeremy Grant. They've still got you know DeAndre Ayton is is a, a real player that's in there, and so. Uh, there's no gimme wins, I think, in the NBA this year. But six and four is is the minimum to just feel okay because you do have those four games and you would assume they should win those four. And then that means you're just beating two of like Phoenix, uh, Denver, Sacramento, Miami, the Clippers, which maybe isn't all that great. Seven and three, I think I'm pretty happy with. Eight and two, I'm ecstatic. But we have to remember, 
last year, it took 53 wins to win the West. That's what Denver got, 53 wins. And Keith and I talked about this on the front office show a little bit today, that what's happened is you don't have as many teams truly tanking, tanking, where they're winning like 10 games. That's not happening. So instead, there's like 10 wins that, that used to be out there because the team's only going to win 10 games. Those are gone now because that team's now winning like 20 games, right? And then at the top, you have teams that are, you know, resting guys a little bit more. And so the top end loses a few more games. You don't see teams winning 65 games as much anymore. That used to be like the mark of a, a really good team. You're going to win 65 games. There's not as many teams tanking, though. There's not as many bad teams to rack up these wins against where all you have to do is roll the ball out and you, and you get the win. So when I look at this, this Lakers team, I think overall, if you're six and four, if that is your pace, if you're at a 60% win rate on the season, that's like 50 some odd wins. That's probably about right. I mean, that's probably about what we're talking about here with, with the Lakers. So Six and four through the first 10. I would like to see them be seven and three, eight and two. I'm ecstatic. Uh, but six and four is, I think, the minute, anything less than six and four, and you're feeling a little bit concerned. That means you're really not beating any of the, um, the really good teams that are out there. And I know, look, there's a lot of people saying, oh, six and four is not that good and everything. Look, I get it. I get it. Miguel says six and four is not good. Um, Chaco Thunder seven and three. Come on, Trev. Look, I would love to see the Lakers go seven and three. I'm saying six and four is the minimum where you're not going. Uh oh, what are what are we seeing here? What's happening here? Six and four is the minimum that you need to be in the first ten. At least it's a winning record. If you're six and four over the course of the season, you play that out over the entire season, you feel pretty good. Looking at this specific ten game stretch, six and four is the minimum. I think seven and three. If I had to pick, if I had to guess, what are they going to be? I'm going to say seven and three. That that would be my guess to what they would be. But six and four, I think, is the minimum that they need to be. As somebody said, we're fighting for 500 all last season, 100. percent Yeah, last. Do you remember how how much we were begging and pleading for the Lakers to get back up to 500 last season? And are they going to make it? Are they not? And that crazy run they had to go on post-trade deadline, man, let's just hope that this season they get off to a strong start. They don't dig themselves in too much of a hole where they've got to turn on the Jets late in the season. Let's hope that they can get some consistent wins this season during the regular season. All right. A Mamba mentality said the Tristan Thompson signing happened to the Cavs happened while I was on vacation. That makes even more sense. Why I, why I would not have uh, remembered that off the top. I was on vacation when that happened. Uh, Rons said, uh, Bismack, let me find it. Bismack Biombo is still a free agent, right? He is. That's another guy that is still out there. That's still out there. Um, he is a free agent. I don't know why he hasn't signed. It's weird because he is one of the better bigs out there. Uh, Sir Haro said, I'm losing sleep thinking that Father Time will start catching up with LeBron and that will ruin his season. Excited on an opening night against Denver, but when was the last time the Lakers won opening night? It's been years. It's been years since the Lakers won opening night. But you know what that means? You know what that means? Let's be positive. That means they're due. That means they're due for an opening night win because it has been a while since the Lakers have won on opening night. But again, that means they're due 
My prediction is they're going to do it. They're going to ruin opening night for those damn Denver Nuggets. That's what they're going to do. It's going to happen this year. They're due. Um, as far as father time catching up with LeBron, I thought we got good news today from Darvin Ham when he said that the explosiveness that LeBron didn't have at the end of last season because he had that torn tendon in his foot, the expl- you could see it. He didn't have the same burst. The explosiveness is back. And that's what I talked about. There are a lot of fans of other teams that were saying, well, that's, you know, LeBron, Father Time is caught up and all that. Like, we're just ignoring the fact that he was playing through an active injury. Of course, he's not going to look as explosive. If you look at LeBron in the playoffs and you assume that's the LeBron we're going to see right now with a healthy LeBron, you're crazy. He's playing on one foot. Of course, he's going to look slow. Of course, he's going to look like he doesn't have burst. Of course, he looks like he's not going to have much lift. He's got a torn tendon in his foot. Now that's healed. And so when you've got Darwin confirming that, yeah, the burst is back, that that is a great sign. And again, Father Time, yeah, at some point, it's going to really catch up to him. At some point, it's going to catch up to him. And you can say he's not the guy that he was 10 years ago. That's just the way it goes. But I think he can still be a really effective NBA player. And the fact that he's got that burst and we're hearing all about the energy that he's got right now, the excitement that he's got for the season, that's a great sign. That's a great sign. Uh, somebody said, did LeBron and AD get surgery? They won't tell us. They won't tell us. They, they, he got asked and it won't tell. He won't say whether or not he had surgery on his foot because it was the offseason. I don't know. Hey, as long as he's healthy now, I don't care. As long as he's healthy now, I don't care. All right. I'm going to wrap things up there, but I appreciate everybody for joining tonight. I appreciate all the questions and comments coming in through the chat solo show. I always say it's not really a solo show. It's not really just me because it's me and all of you. Thank you guys for coming in and joining podcast listeners. Please make sure you give us that five-star rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. Let's get ready. Saturday, big day. We'll be right back here right after the game on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. The post-game show will be live. Saturday night, soon as Lakers-Warriors ends, we'll break down the entire game. And then, of course, before that, during the game, come join us over on Playback, playback.tv slash Lakers Nation. Hang out with us for the game. Thank you, everybody, again. Till next time, see ya, and stay safe. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.